0: Now, I just want you guys to know that if we have any recovering Baptists in here this morning, that first video that you saw with what looked like dancing, that's literally liturgical movement. I just want you all to be clarified about that, what that was. You know, every time you turn on your computer, there is something that will pop up on your screen wanting you to go to a particular website. When you drive down the highway, there will be signs that will advertise particular products, and they want you to buy their product or go into their store. There are people all around in all kinds of advertisement that will lead you to, uh, uh, to buy services from a particular company. It's just all around us. And you know, oftentimes that effort to draw us in so that we'll buy the product, so we'll hire that person for services, is very effective. And actually, a lot of the advertising that we see is rather sophisticated stuff, and the folks do a lot of studies, a lot of psychological and sociological studies, to try to demonstrate and to show what will attract you to what they want you to have. In my 45 years of pastoral ministry, I've been heavily impacted by this cultural model as it comes to ministry. Uh, I've been heavily impacted, and I've been schooled, and I've practiced what it oftentimes is called an attractional ministry model, which tries to figure out how to get people to come to our churches and to come to know Jesus and to be engaged in the life of the church. Oftentimes, this model uh, asks the question, what will it take to get the youth engaged? What will it take to get young adults involved? What will it take to get folks who have young families involved? And we ask questions like, what kind of music will they enjoy? Uh, How can the preacher preach so that uh, they'll connect to the message? Uh, What kind of programming needs to take place? so that people will be attracted. And while I must admit there is some value in that type of approach to ministry, I've come to believe that that approach has introduced some viruses that have adversely infected the church and has led to some things that aren't that healthy in reality. It's oftentimes led to a rather shallow experience with Christ and people not going deeper in their faith. And as a result, a lot of folks who are in churches today and are no longer in churches because that model was primarily used to attract them at some point have left people with empty souls. What... I've known and practiced, sounds a little bit different from what Jesus said. I want to share these words from out of the gospel of Mark. Listen to these words from Jesus because they sound so very different than that attractional model. Jesus called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who want to lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can anyone give in return for his or her life? Now, don't those words sound different? Those words are strong. Those words are telling us that this thing of following Jesus is costly. It's not an easy thing. And yet, the rewards are tremendous. The rewards are tremendous. The words that I just read from you are found both in the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Luke. But Mark's rendering is a little different than Matthew and Luke. You see, in Matthew and Luke, when Jesus speaks these words, these words are spoken to the disciples. That's the setting that Jesus says, if you want to follow me, take up your cross. But here in Mark's gospel, Jesus is is with not only the disciples, but it says the crowds is with the disciples. Now, that's really significant. Now, it may seem like just a kind of a minor point, but it's really significant in the Gospel of Mark because throughout the Gospels, when you hear the word disciple and you hear the word crowd, those are two very distinct groups of people. Disciples are those who have made an active commitment, have made active sacrifices to follow Jesus. They have said, Yes. I'm going to follow, and it indicates that they have a more intimate relationship and connection with Jesus. The crowd, on the other hand, are these folks who are on the periphery. They're on the edges. They're they're skating on the edge of the pond with Jesus. Now, many in the crowd have been attracted to Jesus. They perhaps have. Uh, heard about Jesus as notoriety, and, and they say, we want to go see this celebrity. You know how celebrities are. If you're a celebrity is going to be in a particular place, a lot of people will gather to see that famous person. And Jesus had that aspect of fame in his day and time. Probably some had heard about Jesus, how that He healed people who were sick. And so folks who had need of healing would come to Jesus saying, you know, I need some hope, I need some help. And so they came to Jesus for that reason. There are others who had heard about how Jesus spoke, how His teachings were so much different than the other rabbis and the other Pharisees and Sadducees and such. And they wanted to hear this man that spoke life into their world. And so they come to listen to Jesus. But for the most part, they were still on the periphery. And Jesus, here in Mark's gospel, speaks to people who are the core of this Jesus movement and the people who are on the periphery of the Jesus movement. And Jesus makes it clear that following Him has great cost. It's not for those who are just, oh, I might do this, I might not. It's not for the weak at heart, but it is a serious thing to follow Jesus. A serious thing to follow Jesus. Over the past two years, I've listened to many church leaders talk about the impact of COVID in churches, I've listened to colleagues talk about this, I've, I've gone online and listened to national leaders in the church talk about this, and I've found that there's been this common theme that I have heard, and it is this, that with COVID, and as COVID is beginning to uh, uh, die down and people be resuming kind of normal life after COVID, that people in churches who were kind of on the periphery to churches in the past, before COVID, are people who are not returning and re-engaging in church life. And you hear that comment from nearly every pastor of churches. And I have to admit that, uh, that as a pastor here, I've seen that true because I've lived with you from the beginning and many years prior to COVID, uh, I've been here. uh, and, And I've seen that that thing has happened too. But I've also noticed something else. I've noticed that during this season and now that many of you have stepped up in even more significant ways in service to Jesus and His church. The band is a good example of that and how that, that our band has been so faithful in their commitment to the church. And there have been folks who have, have, have taken on additional jobs and they've done things in the church they hadn't done before because there was a void to be filled. And quite honestly, I'm not sure if during this season we would have been able to do church at the level we've done church had it not been for people stepping forward. It seems that many have heard this call of Jesus to follow and are answering that call. But this call is for everybody. It's for the folks that are listening online. It's for all of us who are gathered in this place. He's calling us to this act of discipleship. It is a significant thing that Jesus is calling us to do. This afternoon, some of you I know will be parked in front of a television set, and you will be watching March Madness. And I know some of you won't, but some of you will be. And uh, how about St. Pete? Golly, bum! My goodness, they're like swarming mosquitoes. I mean, you know, uh, you know I don't know if they've got that much time, but boy, they, they, they really uh, play hard. Uh, after today, there will be four men's teams, and I think after today there should be, uh, what, uh, eight women's teams left, and tomorrow night they'll narrow it down to, to four. But when, when you get to this stage in basketball, in college basketball, this point of uh, March Madness, There are two common traits of every team still standing. Two common traits. Every team still standing has players, some players, who are very talented. You can't get as far as they've gotten without some talent. That's a requirement. But the second thing all the teams have in common is this. All those teams, from coaches, managers, and players... They have sacrificed much and given much for the sake of basketball to get to the place where they are. And that's exactly what Jesus is calling people to do here in the Gospel of Mark. He says, if you want to follow me, there is a cost. And that cost is not an easy cost. It's going to cost you a lot. But the rewards are amazing the rewards are absolutely amazing if you want to truly be a person who is following jesus if you truly want to be a disciple of jesus christ understand this that it's not easy it requires a lot i didn't make this up i mean i'm put together as whatever you're willing to give i'm willing to accept kind of person you know but jesus said if you want to be my disciple it's going to cost you everything It's going to cost you a lot, a lot, a lot. But when we give what Jesus calls on us to give, the consequences are great. Now, I want you to know that what I'm talking about this morning is huge, and it's huge in your life. It's not just about the church and how the church does and, and how the preacher looks and how where numbers are and all those kind of things. How I, I like to do those things and I like to research all those things and so forth. But let me tell you, it's about the very heart of who you are because Jesus said you can gain the whole world and yet lose your life, but you can lose your life for my sake and the gospel's sake and you can gain life. It's interesting that the word that most English translators translate here as life is the word suke, which most of the time is translated by a much richer, deeper word called the soul. You're at risk. What's at risk in following Jesus or not following Jesus? Your soul. And let me tell you, it's not just about whether you go to heaven when you die. Your soul is much more, much deeper, much richer much more vast than just that part of you that goes to heaven when you die. You see, the soul is the essence of who you are. It's your very being. It's what makes you uniquely you. It is the the seed of your emotions. It is the seed of your intellect. It is that part of you that's deep inside. It's the part of you that longs for meaning and fulfillment. And Jesus said, we can be at risk of losing our soul, or we can save our souls. Now, that's big stuff. That's really big stuff. James Brian Smith in his book, The Good and Beautiful Life, tells a story of a man who forfeited his soul. James tells that when he was a, a student, he worked one summer as a chaplain in a retirement center. And there he met and formed a relationship with a fellow named Ben, who, by any standard, was a hard case. Ben who lived in throughout the, the 1900s, and the early 1900s, he, uh, he, he rose to success in business and made his first million dollars by the age of 25. Now, that was in the day when a million dollars was a million dollars, okay? He continued in this, his path with a motto, Take all you can from whomever you can. He grew a very successful business employing over 2,000 people who either looked up to him or feared him. He became the wealthiest residence in his state. Ben shared with Smith that he had lived a bad life. Listen to his words. I suppose you could say I have ruined my life because today I have nothing really. Oh, I've got lots of money. I still have more money than I can ever spend, but that brings me no joy. To sit here each day, I'm just sitting here each day waiting to die. I have nothing but bad memories. I cared about no one in my life, and no one cares about me. He lost his soul. An extreme case, indeed. Indeed. An extreme case, for sure. But the consequence for not following Jesus. If you really want to have your soul filled up, if you really want to experience the kind of life that God intends you to have, it means following Jesus. If you fail to follow Jesus fully, you're going to lose parts of your soul. You're going to lose part of who God intended you to be. Part of your life is going to be smothered out. But when you follow Jesus, you save your soul. Jesus said there's three important movements in following him. He said the first is to deny oneself. Now, many of you know we're in the season of Lent, and Lent is oftentimes a season of self-denial, and people give up lots of different things during this season in following Jesus. Uh, Some people give up sweets, some people give up chocolates, some people give up Coca-Cola, some people give up electronic devices, and I always give up green peas, always green peas. (laughs) Now, in all seriousness, there is some value in giving something up for the sake of Jesus, the sake of a mission and purpose. There's, There's good in that. But I think what Jesus is referring to is a bit different than just giving up something for a period of time. You see, to deny means to say no to someone or to something. When Peter was with Jesus, when Jesus was on trial and someone asked, Do you know him? Peter said no. And we know that Peter denied Jesus. So, denial is denying something. No, I didn't eat those Cheetos. Or denying someone. Denial. And this act of denial is saying no. It's saying no to self. Now, it doesn't mean that we disown who we are and we put ourselves down. It it has a different feel to that. It's about putting something other than one's self first. Now, unfortunately, we're not oriented in that way, are we? We're not oriented to to put other things first in our lives. But it's to put something else first. To deny one's desires, to deny one's wants, and put Jesus first. Jesus... And this act of self-denial too calls us to other things that I think help to define what it means to deny self. He calls his followers. He says, if you want to follow me, you got to take up your cross. Now, notice he doesn't say you got to take up my cross. You know, Jesus' cross is the cross of Calvary. Jesus' cross is death. Jesus' cross is dying for the sin and redemption of all of creation. That's Jesus' Jesus' cross. And you're not called to take up that cross. You're called to take up your cross. The author of Hebrews gives us a sense of what that's about when he talked about Jesus' cross. He says, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. He knew what the cross was going to be, and and he went through the cross. And for us, there's a cross for us to bear. There's a cross for you to bear. And the Scripture gives us a sense of what that's about. And part of your life as a disciple is is finding that cross and living into and through that cross. Paul wrote in Colossians that that we are to put to death whatever is earthly, fornication, impurity, evil desires, and greed. In other words, whatever in your life, keeps you from knowing and following Jesus fully, whatever keeps you from loving your neighbor as yourself, whatever draws you down the path of darkness, put that to death. Nail it to the cross. That's the cross you're called to bear. No longer allow that stuff to control your life. Give it to Jesus. But there's another part of bearing the cross. Baring the cross is about sacrifice there's a couple in our church Kevin and Jessica last weekend we celebrated missions weekend we didn't say a lot about Kevin and Jessica but Kevin and Jessica are part of this congregation they came out of this congregation and about a decade ago they had a calling from Jesus to take up a cross their cross and they felt called to go to a place far from here a different culture, a different setting with all, without all the amenities that we know to lift up the name of Jesus among a people. And they did. They sold their home, they took their family, and they traveled to that place. And today they are serving in a place many time zones away and thousands of miles from here because they took up their cross. Now, i tell you, that's their cross, and it probably won't be your cross. It may be for some of you. God may call you to do something like that. I can't answer that question, but it's probably not for most. But there is something that Jesus will call you to do and is already calling you to do, and it requires sacrifice. It requires Sacrifice. Sacrifice. The third movement is this of losing one's soul for the sake of Jesus and the gospel. Now, quite honestly, I find that language a bit strange, and anytime I find language strange in the Bible, I want to try to figure out why it is strange. There's some strange stuff in the Bible. Y'all discovered that? If you've never read the Bible, you don't know that, but if you read the Bible, there's some strange stuff. I mean, really strange. And that language seems strange, losing your soul. I thought we want to find our soul. Yes, indeed, but Jesus said the pathway to find your soul is by losing your soul for the sake of the gospel. And largely what this is about is about giving yourself away, giving your soul away. Do you remember the two greatest commandments that Jesus says there are? Can you all tell me? The two great commandments. Love God, love your neighbor. We did a series sometime back on the Jesus Creed. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as your Right there it is. It's losing your soul for Jesus' sake. Giving yourself away. It's emptying ourselves. Jesus told this wonderful parable that is very poignant. He, he told a parable about a, a farmer who had this, this, this amazing season. His crops were reduced so well, he didn't have enough room to store everything that he had. And so, the farmer said, I'm going to tear down my barns. I'm going to build new barns. I'm going to store all this stuff because I've got enough to eat, drink, and be merry from this point forward. And Jesus said, Today, your soul will be required of you. Now, we tend to read that as it's saying that he's going to die that day. But it could be that because this man's heart was oriented as it was, he lost his soul for the rest of his life. That's worse than death. That's worse than death. But when we give ourselves away, when we put God's kingdom first something happens. We save our souls. We save our souls. The very thing that you long for, the very thing that you want, the very thing that you need, the very thing that I need, my soul to be filled up, my soul to have meaning, my life to have purpose is found in following Jesus by denying myself, taking up my cross, and losing my soul for the sake of of the gospel. All right, now. But that will get you exactly what you long for and what you need. There are no shortcuts, there are no other ways. That's just the way it is. Don't take that on Dwight's word, take it on Jesus' word. Okay, back to Ben. Ben and James Ryan Smith. James Ryan Smith spent the summer with Ben, talking with him and sharing about Jesus. And at the end of the summer, Ben said to Smith, he said, I want to follow this Jesus. And he became a follower of Jesus. Ben, at that point, was in his 70s, in his late 70s, and lived about another decade. And for that next decade of his life, he reconciled a relationship with his only daughter, his estranged daughter, and his life was filled with meaning. I want you to know, That wherever you are, you may have lost your soul long ago. Jesus can restore your soul. You may be following Jesus, but you know you need to go deeper. He can give your soul more meaning. You may be all in, and that's a great thing. And stay and hang in there, because Jesus wants to fill your soul up. Amen. Let's pray. Father, today we thank you for these words of Jesus. They're not easy. But, Lord, let us be a people who not only hear them, but, Lord, we give ourselves to you. Lord, we know in reality we can't do this on our own. We've got to have your spirit to guide us. We've got to have Jesus' strength to to deny self, to to follow, to, uh, to lose our souls for his sake. We've got to have your help. But, Lord, here we are, and take us as we are. We make our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.